lost her, I, I started writing the radio shows that we would have had, including her voice and my voice, and people calling in from the audience. And, uh, it, and what it was was she was calling in from the dead, and uh, we were talking uh, back and forth from uh, living to death. And so anybody could call in, whether they were alive or dead, so we had a pretty look could call in. And we would get calls, and I would get into writing these in such a way that I, it felt very real to me, and sometimes I would be laughing, and sometimes I'd be cheerful. Um, and what happened uh, is, is that uh, I was, uh, actually, I, I, I have all these written up, and I'm, I keep uh, occasionally moving in the direction of writing them up as a, uh, a book, uh, which I'm hoping will still happen, but... Um, I've left off that right now, and I never. I sometimes thought, oh, I could still do a radio show, but it was so sad I couldn't really think about it. Until not too long ago, I started thinking, you know, I could. And then uh, I I did a uh, I I led an intensive ten, ten day DBT training in Brooklyn with the uh, Orthodox community, Jewish community there, and Hasidic community of therapists. And in, when, when I did that, I met a man who ran uh, and led lots of radio shows in the Orthodox community there and around the world. And so I went on uh, to his radio show one night, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought, I can do this. Um, and I, not long ago, was talking to Perry Hoffman, uh, always wanting to also connect to NEA BPD and the projects they do and try to be supportive. Uh, and Perry has been a very good friend. And so we were talking about something like this and she, she suggested, well, you could do a podcast. And I didn't know how to do a podcast. And with her help and a little bit of consultation, I thought, oh, I could do this. So I decided I would do a podcast. So really what you're getting in this podcast is uh, a much belated plan to start a radio show, so to speak, and talk about issues of life and death um, and uh, as part of it. Then I had to find a name for it, which was the hardest thing of all, as Perry could tell you if you talked to her. I kept calling Perry and sending her emails with different potential names, but I couldn't find a name that I was comfortable with. Um, and finally, uh, I thought I had one, and then, it, then I didn't like it once I put it out there, and then I finally came up with the current name is In and Out of Hell. And that really comes from uh, the early learning with Marshall Linehan, which for me took place in the late 1980s into the early 1990s, when she talked about uh, that really you have to do two things with people who are suffering uh, and do this insight in psychotherapy. Um, and one is to be able to get into hell uh, with somebody. In other words, to really know the experience as best you can, having not necessarily experienced it yourself, and uh, get into hell so that you can see what it's like and feel what it's like, and they can know that you're there, so they're less alone. And then you have to see your way out of hell to help the person. You have to have steps for getting out of hell. And she said, really, therapy comes down to these two things, being able to get into hell and being able to uh, help somebody get out of hell. Um, and that's where uh, skills and strategies and the various steps come in that are very, uh, some of which are concrete and some of which are less concrete. But I attribute a 
uh, I owe a lot in my life to Marshall Linehan her work and uh, how it's framed my work. I started thinking about uh, about uh, hell and how I thought at first, well, I, I never went through hell, really. But and then um, when I stopped and let myself think about it, I thought that's not true at all. I, I have. Um, it's not the same kind of hell as other people. And then I started to realize as I talked to a few people about this, that um, nearly everybody has the of going into hell in some version of, and, uh, and, and, and for instance I used to have a repetitive childhood dream again and again that I was in a dark huge warehouse and I was alone and I was a child and uh, all I could see were staircases that looked like they went towards the ceiling but it was dark in there and I was terrified and I would climb on the different staircases when I would be back in another dream and I'd go up the staircase and they would be rickety and broken and I would almost fall and I would get to the top of the staircases and at the top I would run into the ceiling and I couldn't get out and then I would wake up and so I had a lot of these um, and uh, thought a lot about them during my life uh, and what it would mean but it, it really captured some versions of hell that I had in my mind that I had gone through even before I had language. Um, and I've come to some hell that people share has a lot of characteristics. And there's, uh, and they, some of them are in that image. Uh, one is unassisted uh, solitariness. I think when you're in hell, whether it's the hell of uh, mental illness, that physical illness of near death, of of being trapped in an interpersonal situation that you can't get out of and that's horrible, uh, being estranged from the people you care about, uh, being in war, uh, being in, in prison, being in danger in some way, being in a hurricane that won't stop, uh, that there is a, a quality of where you feel like, you know, you've been forsaken, uh, you've been left. And, and, and you're solitary. You're either in it alone or together with, with a very few people, and it's overwhelming. And you feel that there's no hope, sort of hope goes out. There's an aloneness, a sense of deep aloneness in the dark, and a sense of being cut off, uh, whatever kind of hell it is, uh, of being deserted, uh, and it being so incomprehensible at that point. Like, how could this be, or what is going on, and you can't really
in the middle, right between San Juan and Ponce. Well, it was actually, it was so big that the devastation is all over. Uh, it, it, uh-huh. it touched every single uh, municipality. But, you know, like the, the southeast part of the island, all through the center of the island, and then uh, northern, it came out like on the northern, west, western part of Puerto Rico, so it crossed the whole island. So it was, it, it was a huge uh, hurricane. So, um, and it was uh, also like slow. It was like uh, moving at like 10 miles an hour, I think. So it, it spent a lot of time with, with a heavy wind and also with the rain. Uh, on a terrain that was already hit by Irma, which was uh, another hurricane um, that, that uh, came really close to us like two weeks before and also affected a lot of, a lot of the northern eastern part. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's the only part I've been to, actually, when I, I've been there a couple times. Um, and so, so we got to get you to see the whole island then. Yeah, yeah, I would like to. But I, I and now, uh, tell us, um, you were you so you were I were you in San Juan when it, it was coming uh, in September? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I was in San Juan, and uh, basically, you know, when 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 a hurricane comes, we all know what to do. It's like uh, if winter is coming for you guys up north, uh, you, you know, you you gotta get your different uh, you know system in place if it's uh, the heater or whatever you need I wouldn't know what you need right so I guess you get something to heat your life but you know you can prepare for for what you typically know right if it's a month or two months you prepare for that so so yeah everybody we know we gotta get home we know we gotta get ready but there was no getting ready for this I mean uh, it was it was devastating. You told me you had been through a hurricane before, but it was a long time. It was when you were a very young man. Right? Yeah, well, we get we get hurricanes every year, you know, and, and, and we're used to it. Uh, but we we never forget the big ones, the the, the really really strong ones. Uh, so like 20 years ago, um, there was a hurricane called George uh, that actually also crossed from the from the south to the north. And the eye of the hurricane came out in my hometown of Arecibo, which is like in the center, uh, central part of the, of the of the north of the island. So the eye came out uh, that way. So I was in my my family's house over there, and um, it was really strong. I'm talking about a, a, a concrete house with power. Uh, the power was so, so strong that we had like hurricane shutters and everything. And it, 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 I thought at one point that it would just the whole the shutters and the windows out of the concrete it was really strong and that was a category three slash four uh uh-huh. so and and i spent uh, we spent like uh 50 days uh in some parts we had like 50 days without power and water and i remember spending like uh, 10 days working full time uh just like taking out all the trees and uh, uh all the damage around my house i was helping with that I remember it. Uh, it was really strong that one. And also when I was like nine or ten, we had Hurricane Hugo, which also did a lot of damage and flooding, and uh-huh. that was also a really strong one. So you, so you never forget those, even though we get uh-huh. a lot of them. You never forget those. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then, so when this one 
yeah, we had actually zero communication after a hurricane. We still have uh, very, uh, very few like municipalities with good communication. There are areas with no service of communication. Uh, we've we've had uh, the whole infrastructure in terms of power, power lines, uh, also bridges. Have, there's a lot of, of you know of important uh, highways that are not working. So we, we lost security in terms of for the first like 10 days, you couldn't see a, a police officer like doing, you know, like normal security, you know, like rounds and stuff like that that they do because they were, you know, dealing with their emergency. So there was like no security around. Uh, we had a curfew, so you, we lost also like freedom of movement because you couldn't, you couldn't, uh, because of a lot of trees that were just blocking the streets and flooding. Uh, plus, you had the, the, you had a curfew, so you had to be at your house like at six or at five, I think, at the beginning, and you didn't know anything about your time. So it, it was it, uh, it was tough. I still tough because some of the things that I just listed, uh, they're, they're still they're still happening. We have only like thirty uh, percent of the power system. Not thirty percent of the people have power, but only thirty percent of our our you know, energy infrastructure is working. That means that basically their generators or, or power plants are 30% up. That doesn't mean that 30% of the people have power. So it's less than 30% of the people have power. Uh, I think it's 75% of the people have running water. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we were vulnerable. We're more vulnerable by the day. Um, uh, we're tired. It's two hurricanes in a row. So you have to add, you have to add uh, the day. Some people don't have power since. So you have to add like, add like 10 days to the 40-something that we've already been dealing with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so people can't forget that. It's two hurricanes in a row. No, I'm aware. I, I, what I heard is that, you know, you have three and a half million people on the island, and that in the first one, for a while, a million people lost power in the northern part of Puerto Rico, and then yeah, the, the, still first one, but the first one was like the... I think it was like a strongest, uh, at some point it became like the, one of the strongest hurricanes in history uh, with a wind gust over 220 miles or something like that. So we were really yeah. scared about that one. And we got lucky because at, at the last moment it just took a, 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 a northern path and, and it did a lot of damage, but yeah, to the more northern, north 
ask you this on the phone before when we got a chance to talk, but what, what was your personal experience like with the hurricane? Were you with your family? I know you said you had a, a very young child, right, and your wife? Yeah, I have a one-year-old, a one-year-old little rascal uh, called Elena, and uh-huh. then, uh, I have a nine-year-old called Santiago, and, and my wife, I spend, I spend it with them at the house. Um, well, my experience, uh, again, was, was very typical in terms of everybody, everybody else in terms of getting ready. Uh, although uh, I have to say, uh, because this is important, I'm, I'm part of the privileged ones that, you know, what we only endure, what we endured, you know, is only part of what other people are enduring. What I mean by that is that, you know, um, when you when you live in the capital and, and you have more, let's say, around my house, there are like seven gas stations, you know, uh, like uh, I have like 12 different uh, supermarkets that are really close by, so so even though I have to go like hunting and gathering, it's easier than people in the mountains, you know, uh, that can't even get out of their house. But going back to my experience, I spent it uh, with my son the day, the, the day before, the two days before, I went uh, and took my son, I took my son to school, but then I, I picked him up early because I wanted uh, to explain to him, uh, I told him that I wanted, I wanted him to help me uh, getting the house ready. And I, uh-huh. I used that time to talk to him, and you know, like a little coping ahead of what's coming and uh-huh. what to expect. So I talked to him about the sound, you know, the wind makes the sound inside the house, uh, that, that, that the doors might shake, and if they're not going to break necessarily, that water will come in with, because of the wind. That doesn't mean that something is broken, that the sound outside the house might, uh-huh. you know, like, so I, I talked to him a little bit, preparing him because he was really nervous, scared, saying like, uh, "Daddy, is, uh, you know, like the hurricane gonna take out the house? Uh, is it gonna go flying away?" So I, I told him what to expect, and also, you know, like the rules, what we need to do. Uh, so he set up the closet and he put in a Nutella and a spoon and a and a, <laughs> and a blanket. <laughs> yeah, so he had his Nutella. His, Blanket, and he was ready to go in case of his survival plan. Yeah, that was funny. And uh, her, her sister's like teddy bear, so he was ready for it. In case we had to uh-huh. move over there. So that's something you do. You identify, you know, like a safe place for shelter in the house in case something breaks, like a window or something. So yeah, I spent that time, you know, getting them ready. Um, talking to my wife also about, you know, the security of the house, the steps we should take. And, uh, you know, again, uh, taking up some cash, you, you take some cash out of the ATM, you, that's the regular thing you do, just in case, you know, but trust me, uh, it wasn't enough. The only way to get ready for the hurricane, you have to be one of those uh, survivalist guys that have a bunker in their house and was for 15 years, because it, it was, it was right. very hard. But yeah, but I was ready, and, and we... We were in the house, like, uh, I, I love to be in, when hurricane comes, I don't, I don't like to, you know, like, run around last minute. I want to be at our house, like, 12 hours before and be ready and relax. And that's uh-huh. what we did. We put in some movies, and, and my son was saying, I, I, I want to 
outside, like 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 the branches of the trees breaking and hitting uh, metal or or something. You could you could listen to you know uh, things falling and hitting around. So yeah, it's not like uh, it wasn't affecting us, but it, we had no idea what was coming. So at that point, I said, well, it's wrong, <laughs> you know, uh, in the middle of the night. But during the the like uh, five or six a.m. When the sun started coming out, that was the part that was really strong, and I and I when uh-huh. I started seeing like uh, from from the from that from the glass door, I could see you know like whole pieces of building flying. Uh, oh man, know, real real yeah, like frames that have like this uh, uh, metal you know sheet that you know like this industrial ceiling. I saw I saw uh-huh. you know like big big huge. Uh, things like that, like flying and hitting things around. So that was really scary. So sounds of things that were uh, flying, hitting, it was like, it felt like something just exploded in your house. Also, I saw cars like shaking and and just like getting off the ground like a, you know, know, one-fourth of a centimeter, but enough to, you know, raise your hairs in the back of your neck when you see that. So... Yeah, in early morning, uh, that was when the big trees will just rip and hit your house. And, uh, you, you, you heard like uh, windows breaking in the neighbor's house. But that was really, really scary and strong. And I've, I've never seen so much power and violence in, 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 in my life. I mean, it, it was it was really, 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 it, it was you know, devastation. Terrifying. Um, Terrifying. Yeah, it, were you think what? How is it? You at any minute you knew that something could hit your house. One of these big things that was flying. It actually did. Right, a couple of times. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh-huh. I was I was really worried about the trees. I had I, I had some big trees that just an abandoned house next to our our, our our neighbor, and that it's not part of the neighborhood, so we have no 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 way of getting there. And, and it had like these huge. Uh, you know, like wild trees, and no one, no one ever does anything to them. And they were actually touching our power line. And that's like next to my pool, and that's next to the, you know, I have like a four sheet door that I was worried about. So I was really worried about those trees like falling over to my house uh-huh. and getting all the power lines to. So, so you're worried about stuff like that. Uh, but again, my worst case scenario, it's privileged because yeah. It's not like my 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 house was gonna fly and fly out into the into the into the night, you know. So it was strong. It was it was, it was I was worried, but you know, and like I said, uh, we were okay. At the end, we were okay. And did you feel like your your house was gonna be, as far as you could tell, that was gonna be your main place to stay, or was there some backup plan? I mean, no, I, no, no, I wasn't worried, uh, because again, because of the experience of the others, I, 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 in worst case scenario, you just get into, into our, our, my walk-in closet, which is protected by two doors, and, you know, if it's worst case scenario, uh, like a door breaks and everything, you know, I, I, I might lose all my furniture and my TVs and stuff like that, but, but in terms of losing life, I wasn't worried about that. We were going to be okay. I would make my family be okay. I was, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was never worried about that, about their security. I wasn't worried about that. Uh huh. Uh huh. But in terms of our cars and stuff like that, 